Fresh Prince, Will Smith, he's in this situation where he grew up without a paternal relationship. He was in a position of lack. He was lacking an integral uh, relationship uh, that really contributes to his formative years uh, that would be there to build him up and to support him. And as I said, you know, there may be many of you in here who are lacking in that area. And today I want to, so I want to kind of lean into this concept of lack today and talk about how it is that we're to deal with this. Uh, and, and so, you know, the fact is the first thing, fact number one, it will be up on the screen for you. You can write it down. Lack can include, but is not limited to money or material possessions. Let me say this again. Lack can include, but is not limited to money or material possessions. What I mean by this is, you know, Will was in a position where, you know, we just sung the song and we rapped it. And he is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He lives in a mansion. He's at, he's attending the greatest schools. He has access to uh, the greatest monetary resource probably uh, in his family at that point in time, uh, being in the bank's household. However, although this is the case, he is lacking. Everybody say lack. He is lacking something that is pivotal, this paternal relationship. And many of us, we don't even realize. Come on, can I get this party started? Uh, because we don't even realize that there are things in our lives that we are lacking. And the reason why is because we usually attribute lack to one thing or the other, especially material things. You know, I might come and ask you guys, are you lacking? And you may say, you know, yeah, I could use some more money. Uh, but there are things in our lives that oftentimes we're lacking and we don't know them. And the reason why is because we exclusively attach lack to material things. Are you with me? So lack can include but is not limited to money or material possessions. Another thing I want to put out there, of course, is the fact that there are a number of reasons. There are varying reasons as to why people are experiencing lack. In their lives, everybody, uh, consequently, based on what I just shared, is facing lack and dealing with lack in different areas of their lives. And the reasons are varying. I actually want to look, you know, and as I was putting this message together and studying, the Lord really put three characters on my heart. And the reason why I wanted to do this scripturally and kind of cross-reference them, preach, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm going to preach from three passages at the same time. We'll see how this goes. But the, the point is, I believe, as, as, as Paul says, there's no temptation that has taken you that is not common to man. In other words, he's saying that if you're dealing with something, more than likely, if it's not your neighbor that's dealing with the same thing, the person, there's somebody in this room who is likely to be dealing with what you're dealing with. And lack is no exception. Lack is no Exception. And so in scripture, we actually find uh, some characters. I want to highlight three of them and the various areas that they're lacking. You know, there are these three, there are three characters I want to talk about that experience lack in their lives. And I want to talk about how it is that they dealt with them and, and possibly how it is that you can grab some tools to put them to practice and walk in victory over such in your life. Is that okay? Fantastic. So the first person I want to talk about is Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph was an individual who was lacking uh, his entire family. He was lacking. He had a, a, a familial hole that took place in his life. 
And his reasoning for lack, Joseph, for those who are new to Bible or new to Christianity, he's in the first half of the Bible. His story is in Genesis chapter 37 and goes all the way from verse from chapter 37 all the way to chapter 50, where we find the finale. And what happens with Joseph is that the reason why he experienced lack was because of sibling rivalry and because of jealousy. Come on, somebody. They were hating on Joseph. His brothers were hating on him. Because his dad favored him. And consequently, they go ahead and they throw him into a pit and they sell him into slavery. And consequently, he is facing familial lack. Not only that, but there's another lady by the name of Hannah. Everybody say Hannah. Hannah. And Hannah's story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And Hannah is an individual that was lacking a child. She was lacking a child, and the reason why she was experiencing lack in this area was due to infertility. Everybody say infertility. And then lastly, we look at a character by the name of Job. Everybody say Job. It's so funny. I bet a lot of us, when we first turned open the Bible and saw that name, we were like, Job. But in the first half of the Bible, if you look, you know, the one that looks like Job, but his name is actually Job. And Job is an individual, although we're laughing, he was experiencing lack because of satanic warfare, because of material and familial loss, and sickness. You ever been in one of those situations why, you know, because there are many of you who are in here today, who your lack is not because of one thing, but it's like your life is like whack-a-mole. You ever played whack-a-mole? You know, it's like if it's not one thing, something else is popping up. And we may be facing lack because all these things are hitting us sometimes at once, sometimes over time. But we find here that, that, uh, that, that Job is an individual that loses everything. He loses it in a matter of days. And it's catastrophic to his life. He loses his family. He loses his, his uh, workers. He loses his, it just is his material possessions. And so we find that the reasons... Because of these things. The reasons for lack vary among these individuals. But there's some things that I want to point out. If you just bear with me for the next 22 minutes and 56 seconds. In regards to the commonalities between these three individuals. Although they differed in their reasoning for experiencing lack. The Bible makes it clear that there are some things that are common in their lives. That I believe that that uh, that we can glean from. Now in 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel. The Bible says in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel again is in the first half of scripture. Uh, 1 Samuel is right before 1 Kings. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible speaks about Hannah. Let's talk about her for a moment. Hannah is this individual who would love to have, would love to have children. How, however, although she's in this position where she's desirous of such, uh, she's a she's a she's in a sister wife sort of a scenario. This was sister wives before TLC ever came out. And so she's here where her sister is able to have children, but she's unable to have children. And the Bible makes it clear that this is something that is catastrophic to her. She's experiencing lack in this area of her life. But I love what the Bible shows here in verse uh, verse four. It says on the day when Elkanah, who was her husband, sacrificed he would give portions to Penina, who was his first wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. Somebody say a double portion. Because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. 
And so the fact of the matter is we find that although Hannah was in a position, can I just set this thing up, where she was experiencing lack in that she was unable to have children at this time. The Bible makes it clear that she got a double portion and she was still loved and blessed. Is somebody going to stay with me this morning? Not only this, not only this, in chapter uh, 1, verse 8, the Bible declares in regards to her husband, her husband says to her, Hannah, why do you weep? He says, and do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And she has a husband that although she's in this position where she's facing infertility, he makes it clear to her that he loves her. And that he's with her. And some of us, isn't it amazing to have good men and good women to stand by you in times of challenge? And so here in the text, it makes it clear that Hannah, although she's in this position of lack, is loved and is blessed and has a support system in her life. Come on. Can I give you point number one? Here's point number one. It will be on the screen for you. It says, don't allow what you lack to make you underappreciate or ignore what you have. You know, I got to do that one time. Don't allow what you lack to make you underappreciate or ignore what you have. Here in the text, it's clear that although she was lacking a child in this moment, that she was loved. And this is where we find the commonalities between these three stories. Here is Hannah, but we also see with Joseph. Joseph was an individual that was displaced by his jealous brothers. He was sold into slavery and but even though he was sold into slavery, he ends up getting favor with Potiphar, who was who was in charge of uh, in charge of Pharaoh's guard. And somebody say somebody say Potiphar's house. And so the Bible makes it clear that in Potiphar's house that Joseph received favor in Potiphar's eyes. And Joseph was to the place where Joseph was responsible for everything. Somebody say everything. That was in Potiphar's house. So even though Joseph got sold into slavery, even though he was lacking his family in the place that he was, he was walking in favor. Not only this, but the Bible lets us know in Genesis chapter 29, 39, rather you can write this down, check it out later. Verse 21 through 24, that Joseph, while he, he ended up standing for right. Because he was tempted to do wrong while he was in Potiphar's house. And if getting thrown in a pit... Because of jealousy was not enough. And standing for right, he ends up getting thrown into a prison. But even in the prison, come on somebody. Even in the prison, Joseph, the Bible says, received favor. And he was into the, in the place there where he received favor and God's favor with him, was with him. And he was prospering even while he was in the prison situations. Can I let you know this today? What Joseph had to come to and realize in his situation is that you can rearrange my life, but you can't relocate my favor. I feel the preach creeping up on me. I might as well go ahead and jump on the bus. Because even if you relocate my life, come on, or rearrange my life, you can't relocate my favor. The fact is they were, his siblings were jealous of him and this is why they threw him in the pit. Who am I talking to? And he was experiencing lack because of his siblings' jealousy. But even though they threw him in a pit, even though he was sold into slavery, even though he was in a prison, come on, and they rearranged his life, they could not relocate the hand of God from off of his life. You want to know? I hear David declare goodness and mercy 
shall follow me. Somebody say, follow me. He says this in Psalm 23, verse 6. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Come on. No matter where you take me, no matter what you do to cause lack in my life, this is not going to cause me to be dislocated from the favor of God on my life. Come on, somebody. Somebody that thought that this job that you're in, that may feel like you're in a prison situation, may have put you in a place where it dislocated you from God's favor. But even there, goodness and mercy is following you come on somebody that family you might have grown up in a foster home because your parents decided that they didn't want you but even in the foster home goodness and mercy who am i talking to somebody give god praise because his favor follows you wherever So the fact of the matter is, I love this because, as I'm saying, don't allow what you lack to make you underappreciate or ignore what it is that you have. Because the favor of God, if it's on your life, no matter where you go or how things get jacked up, because someone, we think that that's the case, it's still with you. That's good stuff, man. And then we look at Job. Everybody say Job. In Job's life, we find we find here, uh, and we'll turn there, Job is right before the book of Psalms, right before the book of Psalms, and we're going to go to Job chapter 1. The Bible makes it clear uh, that if, if you look at the, in, in Job chapter 1, verse 21, I love what Job declares here. It says, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You want to know what I pointed out here? The fact of the matter is, along the same lines, is that what Joseph, what Job lost didn't nullify what he had. What Joseph, what Job lost didn't nullify what he had. In the first, in the first, uh, the first few verses, first five verses of the book of Job, it talks about all that he had. It talked about his family. It talked about all of the relationships that he had that took place and all the fun times that he had with his family before they were destroyed and before they were lost, before he experienced familial lack and health lack and all of these things that he had an incredible life and I'm so glad that even though this even though he had lost it did not nullify what he had 2008 um, I lost my grandmother and my grandmother uh, for those of you who have seen my Bajan skits uh, or have surprised have subscribed to Gabbery comedy you know thank you for your support but for those who see that you know the reason why I'm so steeped in with beige and imbued with Beijing culture is because of my grandmother, my grand grand, Granny Lan Bind. That's what we called her, and she was a major part, an integral part in my formative years. My parents used to drop us off at her house first thing in the morning. She would take us to school, then we'd come back home to the house, be there. She would feed us. She would do all this, and then by the evening, my parents would come back from work and pick she uh, pick my sister. And myself up and take us home. And so I grew up around her. She was major through major times in my life. When I felt like quitting, my grandmother was with me. When I need, she always had something. I, see, I'm, I'm just going to keep it real. Can I keep it real? There was always something in the bra, in the bra. <laughs> that she would just have to pull out and just think, come, 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 son, come on, come on. 
And she would always be there to sneak this thing and put it in my pocket. I loved my grandmother, and we had such inc- an incredible relationship. And I remember when she was getting ready to pass away, she leaned on my shoulder and she said, she always, no matter what, she's always joking. And she's like, son, i getting ready to go to the land of the beautiful. That's what she told me when she's getting ready to die. And, uh, you know, the thing is, we, we ended up having her funeral on my birthday. You know, and so it was it was devastating for me. And I didn't realize until I got to the graveside and until I saw her there lying. And at that time, even though I was working in the funeral industry myself at that time, there was nothing that prepared me for having to be in that position and deal with the loss of my grandmother. But although I lost my grandmother and although we had the funeral on my birthday, although that was kind of shady, though, fam, I don't know. It's just I don't know. But, but that's neither here nor there. But anyways, it doesn't nullify all of the amazing times I had with her. And there are some of you who, have, who are experiencing lack because of loss, the loss of a loved one. Because of the loss of certain things. I've lost, I remember I lost a home that I had for six years. Years and years and years ago. My wife and I, we had purchased a home and we lost that home. We started our family in that home. We started our church in that home, our church in Michigan. We started all sorts of incredible memories and things that happened there. But even though the house was lost, it doesn't nullify the amazing experience that we had with that house when we had it. So again, again, don't allow what you lack to make you underappreciative or ignore what it is that you have. That family member might be gone, but you still can walk in that legacy. Are you with me? And so moving onward, moving onward, talking about this next commonality. So here we go. Hannah was provoked by her husband's second wife. Her name was Penina, and she had a number of children. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verse 6 and 7, she used to provoke her. She used to make fun of her because she could not, because she could have children. She could have children, but Hannah could not have children. And you know, I'll I'll just make it clear. One of the hardest things about dealing with lack is when who or what we're missing is still alive and or right in front of your face. When we watch Will and we saw Fresh Prince, the crazy thing about this episode is that his dad was still alive. Was it that he was experiencing the lack of his paternal relationship because his dad had passed away, but his dad was still alive, he was just being a waste youth. (laughs) And that's one of the challenging things that happen when you're surrounded by married folks, come on somebody, on social media, and I'm one of those annoying people, hashtag marriage rocks. (laughs) And you like, Jesus, can I just, Jesus, can I just get a boyfriend? Come on. Surrounded. Everybody's getting married. Everybody asking you, can you be a bridesmaid in my marriage, in my wedding? And in your head, you're like, no, you punk. Yes, I'll do it. Where do I buy my dress? You know, because of the fact that we're in this position. How about this? You know, when everybody's having baby showers and you're in a position where you're desirous of having and everybody's having a baby shower, everybody's sending things out there. This is, this is real. You're, you know, the, the fact is that, that the loved one that you lost, the person who jacked you up, when they still live in the same city, when you still got to pass by that street all the time. Can I keep it real on this morning? When everybody's graduating and getting degrees and doing the toss-up hat picks and all of this stuff and, and the, the blowhorn stuff, and, and you wish somebody would do a blowhorn for you. But the fact of the matter is that you're surrounded. That's one of the hardest things to deal with as it pertains. Can I just keep it real this morning? 
dealing with lack is when you're surrounded by or you're, you're, the thing that you're missing is right in front of your face. And so Hannah, she was in this position where, her, where the wife, her sister wife, was always mocking her and making fun of her because of her lack and, and talking about her and putting it in her face. And so we find that this is a commonality. Watch this in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 through 17, that although Hannah was mocked and distressed because of her lack, it caused her to pray to the point where people thought she was drunk. The priest saw her. Come on, somebody. I'm going somewhere with this thing. Priest saw her and she was praying so hard that her lips were moving and nothing was coming out. And the priest came, Eli, he comes and he says to her, who was manning the temple, says to her, hey, are you drunk? Put your wine away from you. Come on, somebody. Because she was praying so hard because she was saying, although I'm in the position that I'm in, I'm not allowing this lack to hinder for me from experiencing and going for God. Can I give you point number two? Lack should push us, watch this, into consecration, not intimidation or retaliation. Lack should push us into consecration, not intimidation or retaliation. She was in a position where she was being made, of fun, of, made fun of because of her lack. Come on. But she didn't allow it to hinder her from going before God. She didn't say, I'm going to go and retaliate. She didn't say that I'm going to get upset. Come on. And spend my time lamenting and fighting with people. But she said, instead, I'm going to get in God's face. And I'm going to seek the Lord because if indeed it is God that has allowed this to happen in my life, there has to be a reason or something that I can, even if it's not that I get a child in his presence, there is fullness of joy and there's strength. Come on, somebody that comes from being in his presence. Somebody today, there are people in your life that were saying, why, why aren't you, aren't you going to get married yet, girl? When are you going to give me some grandchildren? Who am I talking to this morning? And there are oftentimes people in our lives that pressure us or put the fact that we are lacking certain things in our face. But I wonder if there's anybody in this place that's in here and saying, you know what? This thing is not going to cause me to get in a place where I retaliate. Come on. It's going to cause me to get, you know what? This is what it, this, her situation drove her to her knees, not her knife. I felt that preach right there. It drove her to her knees instead of her knife. She was like, you know what? I really feel like cutting this person, but I'm not going to fight them. I'm going to get on my knees and seek the Lord in my situation. I remember when I was in a situation, you know, when I started in ministry, the way that I got called, I wasn't able to go into a through seminary uh, education. I don't have a, a seminary degree. I don't have any of this sorts of stuff. And there were people in my life that used to throw that in my face. They used to make it clear that you're not qualified, you know, where's your degree? You got your degree off the cereal box, you know, there would be people and they would just be saying all sorts of stuff. Come on, people still getting healed. Come on, in our church, when I started preaching, we were seeing all sorts of stuff happen. People getting healed from incurable diseases. But initially, I allowed that, the fact that I didn't have an education and the people who were taunting me to hinder me or to bother me. Come on, and I spelt like I had to spend time defending myself, trying to make myself legitimate before people who didn't even call me. 
they didn't have my future in their hand and so eventually when I caught the revelation that he who called me he didn't call me because I was equipped but he desired to equip me come on somebody as I walked in obedience I said you know what I'm gonna it drove me to my knees even more come on it got, drove me to a prayer life it drove me said even if you don't get to go to school you can still read a book and there's somebody in here you've been tripping because you don't have education or you've been allowing the lack of a degree to stop you from learning. It's almost anything that you can learn on YouTube today. And most of most people who go and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in certain institutions, come on somebody, they'll leave and they'll be like, why did I waste my time? And I keep it real. Stay in school, kids. And so Job, he's, you know, so, so we find that Hannah, she's in a position where Penina is mocking her. The second wife is mocking her. But here in Job's situation, everybody say Job. We see in Job chapter 2 verse 9 because his nagging wife lived, you know. All of his kids in them died. But, you know, but the nagging wife lived. And she's going to look at him in the craziest situation. And instead of telling him and building him up, baby, you got this, we can make it. Oh, boo, we got this. I got your back. No, she goes, curse God and die. She looks at him and so Penina's mocking. Job's wife is nagging. Who am I talking to? Uh, you know, don't look at your wife in this moment, husband. And not only this, but in Job 42 verse 7, we find that Job's friends were speaking inaccurately about his situation. And they were speaking inaccurately about God to the point where God got vexed. And was like, these people need to repent or it's, it's finna go down. And so they're in this position now where Job is surrounded by these naysayers and people have a negative perspective or an inaccurate perspective of what he's going through. Have you ever been in that place? And we have to be careful how, what we listen to. But I love how Job, Hannah goes and is, 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 uh, is, is to the place where she gets on her knees. But Job, everybody say Job. Job declares in Job chapter 13 verse 15 he says though he slay me yet will I trust him who am I talking to this morning he does he not only says this but in in Job chapter 19 Job chapter 19 verse 25 through 27 he declares he says I know my redeemer lives and I will see him with my own eyes so even in his hard position where he has a nagging wife and friends that are waste youths. At the end of the day, he makes it clear to them that his redeemer is alive. Come on, somebody. You've got to get to the place where no matter where you're in, no matter what lack you're facing, come on, church. Even in the middle of lack, you need to know that even if you're lacking something, you're not lacking your savior. That God declare he will never leave you or forsake you. Come on, somebody. I want to talk to someone. You've been putting, you've been closing the blinds and locking yourself up in the house because of what you're going through. But this morning, I want to let you know that even if you're lacking things, if God is with you, he is not leaving you just because other people may leave you or stuff goes away. And then we find Joseph. I'm almost done. Just got one more point after this. Joseph in his situation, talking about lack should push us to consecration, not intimidation or retaliation. We find that Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit. So his brothers threw him in this pit in Genesis 37. And then he, you know, he was in a position where he used his gifts to serve someone in the prison. When he was thrown in a prison because of doing what was right. So he tried to do right. You ever been there? You did what was right and you got in trouble for it? 
Maybe I'm the only person. They're, they're, you know, and so he, he got thrown he got thrown to prison for doing what was right. And then he served someone while he was in there. And the person made a promise to him but broke the promise. So the person he blessed in the prison was supposed to go out and remember him. The person went out and forgot him. Some of you might have been let down by people that you went out of your way to serve and use your resources as, and your gifts to be able to help them. I don't know who I'm talking to on this more, but I feel prophetic in this house because there's someone in this place. You feel like you extended yourself. You poured out your resource. You might have even given your last. To this person and they forgot about you but Joseph makes it clear Joseph was in a position that even when he was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife yo she wanted the D really bad fam can I just keep it real she was begging for the D fam it was what I'm, I'm just keeping it real that's what the Bible said the G Andrew Beresford version but Joseph stands strong and runs out of the house. Come on, somebody. He says he stands strong and he runs out of the house. Y'all watch it. You tweet it. You type about it. You're trying to act all sedidia. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe he said it. But you said it, too. And he gets his stuff and he runs out of the house and he stands because he says that he's not willing to dishonor God. Come on, somebody in the middle of the situation that he is in. And somebody you feel like knock. You said mama will used to say that mama says knock you out and you feel like knocking them out. You feel like retaliating. You feel like sitting in your soul, as my grandmother would say. But you in the middle of your situation need to get to the place and say, if God is still with me and he's still for me, then I'm going to him despite what I'm facing can I move on this is the last one here we go somebody say last one the last one the, the fact of the matter is uh, that God this is the thing uh, we and, and this is what another commonality no temptation has taken you that's not common to man here it is here's one of them again the fact is that God first Samuel chapter 1 verse 5 lets us know is the one who shut up Hannah's womb at that time so she was experiencing lack and infertility because it was God's plan. Somebody say God's plan. There's, there's, I'm trust me, we're going somewhere. Not only this, but the Bible makes it clear in Job chapter 1 verse 6 through 12 that God, somebody say God. God gives Satan permission to test Job because he knew that Job was going to be able to stand up despite what it was that he was facing. Come on, can I set this thing up? Somebody say God's plan. And then lastly, we find, we find that Joseph, the, the fact of the matter is that Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, you meant evil towards me. Speaking to his brothers. Can I talk this morning? But he says that even though you meant evil for me, it was God's plan. No. You were just waiting. Where he's like, when is he going to sing it? He says it was God's plan and he ends up saying it was not just God's plan, but it was God's plan to not only save rather Joseph, but to save Joseph's whole family. And in fact, all of you who are believers today are in a believer because of what God did in Joseph's life. Who am I talking to on this morning? And so can I give you the last point? It might sound cliche, but here it is. Oftentimes a human setback is a divine setup. 
I love it. I love it. Oftentimes, uh, this is a, this is the fact because the Bible says it says that there is no temptation that has taken you. This is our subject today. That is not common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you. God is faithful, who will not allow. Think it. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able. So if I'm going through it, come on, it's God's plan. And until they take my toe and they put in rest in peace on social media, the fact is that as long as I'm alive, that God has a plan to be able to bring me through and get glory through what I'm facing. Somebody ought to give God praise for his plan right there. This is a bag of popcorn. Who likes popcorn? Okay. Samantha says she don't like popcorn. I don't. Okay. I don't, I'm not mad at you. But this I love because this Orvin Redenbacher popcorn, we watch Orvin, we love this popcorn. And the thing that I love on this is because, you know, my kids, they are really impatient. Come on. When it comes to, well, pretty much anything. But especially when it comes to this, I'll take this popcorn bag and we'll put it in the microwave. And they're like, dad, can we stop it now? Dad, can we stop it now? I'm like, hold on, son. Dad, can we stop it now? It's like, hold on, Gabe, just, just simmer, guys, seckle. Can we, can, can we stop it now? You know, and he's always looking to try to stop the microwave. But, you know, I'm, one, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a popcorn connoisseur, you know. So, no, I, there's a secret, fam. My wife is looking like, yeah, there's two things that I do well, three that I do well. Make pancakes, make oatmeal, I lie, make oatmeal. I just had to check. And popcorn. But there's a specific time that you got to press the stop button. It's when you hear the last crack, the last popple, popple, the last pop take place. That's when you know you got to press the open button. Oh man, I don't know who I came to preach to this morning. And I love it because the, 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 the fact is in my microwave, I have to press it at a certain time. But depending upon the, another person's microwave, we might have to press the open button at another time. And that's why I love that on the bag it says that you got to put it in there for one and a half to two and a half minutes. There's a range because they know that the open is based on the intensity of the microwave oven. It's not a cookie cutter scenario. Come on, somebody. And the sort of fact is that even in Job's situation and in Hannah's situation, who am I talking to on this morning? And even in Joseph's situation, that each of them, God's plan was at work in their life. And so even though we might have looked and said, God, you need to press the button right now. Who am I talking to? God, you need to open the door right now. God is saying, I need to leave them in there until I hear the last pop. And when I'm ready, then I'll press that button and they're going to come out neatly buttered instead of burnt. Some of us, we've been burnt because we've been left in too long. And we've been, instead of following God's instruction. Or when people bite you and taste you, they're breaking their teeth on kernels because it opened too early. But I'm to the place where I want to submit to God's plan. Come on, somebody. Because when it is that he wants to stuff to happen in my life, he's going to bring it to pass in a way that's life-changing. And they'll taste and see that the Lord is good. I love it because Job, in Job 42, verse 10 through 17, he ends up getting double for his trouble. The Bible says everything he had was doubled. Come on, somebody. 
I love it. I love it. God's plan because Hannah has a child named Samuel. Somebody say Samuel. Samuel is a prophet, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. He actually was the one who recognized and anointed King David. Samuel, this this Hannah who couldn't have any children. Who am I talking to? Hannah who was facing lack due to infertility. God had a plan and, and as a result of her consecration to the Lord, when it was time at God's plan, God tossed her to have a child. Do you ever hear? We never hear about Penina ever again in scripture. We don't even know Penina's children's names. Man, I don't know who I came to preach to this morning. It, the first shall be last, I hear the Bible say. And the last shall be first. It's some folk that been cutting up and hating on you in your life. And, you, and, and in the days ahead, we won't even remember their names. Come on. When they were poking fun and bullying and making fun of you. Who did I? Y'all are awfully quiet for this good news. Because the fact is that many of us think God has counted us out. Because we are lacking in this situation. But God is still with you. And his plan can blow you your mind if you trust him open it god no open it god right there somebody ought to give god praise because his plan it great is his faithfulness and i love it Because Joseph becomes the second in command in all of Egypt and saves his entire family. Genesis chapter 41, verse 37 through 44. We see this and I love it. You know, uh, I'm going to end here. I'm going to end here and and I just want to encourage you. You know, uh, how many of you like baseball or grew up watching the Blue Jays? Okay. Remember when Joe Carter hit that home run? Wasn't that an incredible time? I'll be talking to people in the States and, you know, they don't know anything about Canada. They think we live in igloos. I'm like, how's, so how's the weather in December? You know, it's like, it's, it's fine, bro. Like, so do you guys, like, have to wear, like, you know, like, like those, uh, those racket shoe things to, like, walk on top of, like, do you guys have, do you have heat in your igloos? And it's like, bro, like, no, we're, str- we're, we're just like you, you know? We're not in Antarctica, eh, right? And so the thing is, though, that they always want to talk about, about baseball. And they'd be like, oh, you remember when Joe Carter? I'm like, bro, you, you, you saw that on YouTube. But anyways... They'll talk about baseball. And I remember this. You know, one of the incredible things about baseball is when you have a great pitcher. Everybody say a pitcher. Uh, one of the greatest pitches is a curveball. Can I, can I just bring the plane down on this? There's, a, there's such thing as a curveball. Everybody say a curveball. And when you look at the pitcher when he's standing there on the mount and he has his glove, the fact of the matter is this curveball, what happens is it's a ball that's thrown And it looks like it's going straight for the plate, but then it veers off in the last second. Because although you may look at the ball, you don't realize that what happened before the ball was thrown determines what happens when it gets to the home plate. Oh man, I feel this thing. Because the curveball starts in the glove. And there are many of you in your life right now and you're in a place of lack. Come on, somebody. And you can't see the setup that God is doing in your life. When you're looking at God as the pitcher, come on. One of the, when you're looking at God as a pitcher, all you're seeing is a glove, the backhand of a glove. Ever been in there? Because of what it is that you're facing and what it is that you're up against. But you don't realize that God is setting up that ball to be able 
to get, make, to get you to the place where you're able to get over that home plate the way that you need to be. And the thing about a curveball is that when it's thrown, it goes spirals downward first before it goes over the plate. Who am I talking to? And somebody today, you may be in your situation and because of the lack that you're facing, your life may be looking like it's spiraling downward. Can I just make this thing plain this morning? But even in this position, as I told you, it's incredible how the ball will break and turn at the last moment. And so even though it may look, even though it may look like it's going down and it's going down fast because of what happened in the glove, God's plan, the pitcher's plan, when you thought, when the devil thought that he was about to hit that thing that was coming over to play quickly God causes it to curve and so I don't know who I'm talking to this morning I don't know where you're experiencing lack in your life I don't know where you're facing and you're saying you know what I feel like quitting because of one of those things in my, my life may it may not even be any of those things that Hannah Job or Joseph was facing what is your area of lack and where do you feel like your life is going down and spiraling I'm here to tell you that you serve a God last part of the verse says that he's faithful. He won't suffer us to be tempted more than we're able. And with the temptation, will make a way of escape for us to be able to bear it. Does that mean that your loved one was going to come back? No, that, don't, that doesn't always mean that that's going to happen. But he can give you the strength. When you feel hopeless and you feel like you can't make it without that loved one. When you feel like you can't get past, he can give you the strength. Somebody say strength. Ephesians 3.20, unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. God's plan is efficacious in your life and no matter what you face, it can't be stopped. Somebody go ahead and give God praise for his plan in your life. Come on, somebody that believes that God is able to cause all things to work together for good. Somebody open your mouth and give him a shout of praise in this place.